1: Our program is designed to empower the CHD, or congenital heart defect, community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski.
0: Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. We just finished Season 10, and we're gearing up for Season 11, which will feature Heart Warrior siblings. In the interim, we are going to put a spotlight on cardiac athletes. Lars Andrews actually wrote a book called Cardiac Athletes, and he has been a guest on Heart to Heart with Anna. Cardiac Athletes features stories about athletes who have undergone cardiac procedures. Some of the athletes were born with congenital heart defects, and some had acquired heart disease. Today, and for the next several weeks, we will be meeting some of these cardiac athletes. So, welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Lisa Johnson. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited to be talking to you today, and your story is going to be completely different than last week's story. So let's start by having you tell us about your heart condition.
2: Well, you're right. My story is pretty unique. Basically, I've been an athlete my whole life, but the sports I was into were never really, how do you put it, long-distance sports. (laughs) That wasn't really my thing. So running and stamina events were not my cup of tea. Um, but thankfully, you know, Lars allowed me to join cardiac athletes and welcomed athletes of all different varieties. And last summer, August 16, was actually when my cardiac event occurred officially. I, at that time, was training um, Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit. Prior to that, had done a variety of sports my whole life everything from gymnastics to MMA to CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting.
0: Okay, and for those of us who are listening who are not real athletes like me, can you explain what MMA and what CrossFit mean?
2: Sure. Um, MMA is mixed martial arts. What that means is basically it's a combination of boxing and uh, wrestling, and it's a full-contact Cage match, basically things you can watch on TV that exhibit that are things like UFC fighting. You know, I did that until acquiring a severe injury to my lower right leg from an opponent, which required multiple surgeries. So oh, no. had to uh, <laughs> yikes had to put that on the back burner. As a mom, couldn't really keep up with that. But then on CrossFit, which is more high intensity, um, short bursts of high intensity movements. So what that is are shorter workouts, but they're very high in intensity and they incorporate cardio, vascular things, running, for example, but shorter distances than most of my fellow cardiac athletes and weightlifting and gymnastics movements. So kind of a triad of things that we do. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing mostly focused on Olympic weightlifting last summer and, you know, had been feeling kind of off, but didn't think too much of it as I felt off before in my life. What do you mean, Lisa, by you had
0: felt off before? What exactly do you mean?
2: The biggest thing for me was I would get sensations of heart palpitations, what felt like that, skipping beats my heart Mm -hmm. pounding out of my chest, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. It just didn't feel right. And I had expressed this to numerous people in the medical field, general practitioners, and everybody kept telling me to see psychologists and psychiatrists for anxiety, that it was in my head. And it wasn't physiological. I could not get a referral for the life of me (laughs) to a cardiologist. So my insurance would pay for it. So I never went. And so, yeah, I had felt this way before, but just kind of assumed on that day last summer that it was just what they had been telling me for years, anxiety again. And so I, you know, left training and I went and took my kids to the pediatrician and I was sitting in their office and I have a Fitbit, which I love. Sometimes it gives inaccurate readings, but I was sitting there playing with it and I'm like, wow, my hurry is
0: really fast. It's in the 180s. Wow. What is it normally?
2: Um... Prior to that, like at rest, it would be, you know, 70s, 80s.
0: Oh, my gosh. So 180 is a huge difference.
2: Oh, yeah. And so initially, I was like, well, it's probably a malfunction of the device.
0: But did it feel like your heart was beating fast? It did.
2: But I was like, that's really fast.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be okay if it was
2: that fast, right?
0: In my head. So, uh-huh. so maybe a little denial.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I was 32 last summer and an athlete, so I wasn't going to have an issue.
0: Yeah. Who wants right. to think that? Okay. So you're kind of deciding maybe this isn't real, but right. there's this little voice in your head saying that I needed to get something looked at.
2: So okay. I went to our local emergency room who looked at my chart, saw the diagnosis of anxiety on it, and said, oh, it's just an anxiety attack. Did an EKG. My EKG looked fine and gave me a bag of fluids and an anti-anxiety med and sent me home. And I was like, well, that didn't solve anything. I still feel awful. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, you get that label and there's a stigma, which is frustrating, but sure. I've been fighting it for years. So wasn't new to me. And So I went home that night and was home with my girls and didn't sleep because I couldn't sleep. I felt like I was running a marathon. And, you know, I just kept trying to reassure myself, oh, it's anxiety. They said it's anxiety. And the next morning I was like, something's wrong. So I put my girls on the bus to school and I called a cardiologist's office that I wasn't even a patient at. And I was like, hey, you don't know me. Here's what I'm feeling. What should I do? They're like, please go to an emergency room. So... I went back, and the emergency room saw my heart rate was even higher, about 190s at this point. Wow. Low blood pressure. Oh, no. Decided to admit me for observation. Mm-hmm. And the next couple weeks was kind of a blur. I don't remember everything due to losing consciousness multiple times. I was transferred to their ICU
0: Wow. So it goes from, oh, you're just having a panic attack to, oh, my gosh, we have to admit her. And oh, my goodness, we're putting her in the ICU. That's huge, Lisa.
2: Right. And then they started, you know, realizing that the medications they would normally give someone weren't working. Mm -hmm. They weren't doing anything. They gave me adenosine numerous times to start my heart and restart it didn't do a thing. I mean, it stopped my heart and restarted it, but it went back to the two hundreds.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So by so this then, point, you're exhausted. Oh, yeah. Wide awake, mm-hmm.
2: exhausted, mm-hmm. in pain. Um, sure. Felt like I was having a heart attack, but yeah. I wasn't. Okay. They decided at this particular hospital that they didn't know what else to do. So they transferred me via ambulance to another hospital who admitted me to their ICU and eventually their CCU. And my heart rate was well above two twenties. Oh, wow. Blood pressure kept plummeting, flatline four times, clinically dead once, basically a mess. And the electrophysiologist came to see me and he had told my parents, you know, I'll, I'll probably be doing, you know, an EP study tomorrow. Called them back like an hour later. I'm taking her down now. Wow. Because my troponin jumped because something was hurting my heart. And it wasn't a heart attack, but your troponin jumps, which most people may know, um, your troponin jumps from any damage to
0: the heart muscle. Okay. Nope. That was new to me. I didn't know that.
2: So yeah, it's not just a heart attack indicator. It's also an indicator of any trauma to the heart muscle itself. Okay. So they took me in and don't really remember a lot, except when I came out, he said, it was very tough. Procedure was very, very tough. There was a hole between the upper two chambers of my heart. And he said, in addition to that, the electrical wiring of my heart was just completely misfiring. Wow. Like, didn't know what it was supposed to be doing. Wow. And he said, most likely this had been going on for decades, potentially my whole life.
0: Wow. Isn't it amazing that you were able to be a gymnast and you talked to me about doing volleyball and the MMA and all of these different, it seems like more sprinting type events or or not endurance, but the short burst of energy type events like the crossfit and you never passed out you never no
2: i had episodes of dizziness and high heart rate but i had just been told so many times it's just your anxiety that i just finally gave in and said all right it's just anxiety and stopped listening to my gut instinct which was Mm -hmm. something was wrong
0: right so now we know you have an asd we know that your electrical system is off so did they do surgery
2: yes They did an ablation, and they did a surgery at the, not at the exact same time, but basically in the same time I was unconscious, they did both.
0: Oh, Um, wow. Okay. So surgery to close the ASD? Yes. Okay.
2: And they, at a later date, once I was stable, inserted a link recorder, which monitors my heart Mm -hmm. rate and rhythm 24-7. It does not pace or shock me. Okay. But it's just a recorder. Right. So if anything
0: crazy happens, somebody will catch it. Okay. But- so you don't have a pacemaker. You don't have an AED. No.
2: Okay. It's in the discussion because we still don't know the root cause of all of this. And there's a lot of questions about what's happening. Sure. Since then, I've been diagnosed with dysautonomia, which is the way I tell people to think of it is it, it affects your autonomic nervous system and it's dysfunctional. Those are the ways to remember it. So basically, I have a dysfunctional autonomic nervous system. So everything your body does naturally um, regulates heart rate, blood pressure, temperature, all of that. Mine doesn't know how to do that real good (laughs) anymore.
0: Wow. And they don't. Oh, my goodness. So do they think this is acquired? Or do they think it's congenital?
2: They're leaning at this point to thinking that it is congenital. Okay. Because of the symptoms.
0: Right. So have you been referred to a geneticist for genetic testing?
2: I'm in the process of working on that with my EP mm-hmm. at this time. All of this has happened basically in the last 12 months of my life. Um, wow. So it's been very uprooting. Yeah. <laughs> it changed my whole life.
0: Oh, yeah. You're in a whole new chapter of your life that is exactly a, a, really a huge awakening. Okay. So despite this, you consider yourself a cardiac athlete, which just blows <laughs> my mind. So what does being a cardiac athlete mean to you, Lisa?
2: I think for me, the biggest thing is that to me, being a cardiac athlete, is you don't let the limitations stop you. That these are the cards you're dealt, and you can either choose to sit in a corner and do nothing, or you can choose to live your life and find a way to do things you enjoyed, which for me, athletics has always been my life right right find a way to do those even if you have to pare it down and initially that's very hard to accept Mm. I went through cardiac rehab which was great because it's a confidence booster after being so scared
1: sure absolutely
2: but from there it's like you kind of have to accept your new normal and Mm -hmm. once you do that being surrounded by other cardiac athletes even if it is virtually through Facebook It's phenomenal because everybody's been there. Everybody gets it and knows that, hey, it's hard to take that first step. It's hard to go back in the gym. It's hard to, Mm you know, try again and accept the fact that you're not necessarily going to be where you were, you know, two years ago or a year ago, but that you can have sport in your life again.
0: Well, I love that because I think there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with a lot of unknown quantities, just like Mm -hmm. you are. And I imagine you feel like you have to put the brakes on your life and just stop and reanalyze and prioritize. And I imagine for somebody like you who's been an athlete all your life, you get a lot of endorphins from exercising. You know, that exercise feels good that's part of what makes Lisa Lisa. You don't want to have to totally stop that forever. So I like the fact that you have this group of people who understands exactly what you're going through and who can encourage you and support you on uh, whatever path you choose.
2: Exactly. And a huge thing as well is that there are members in the group who range in age from, you know, 18 to, you know, 80 probably maybe even older, I don't know, but it helped me to see that, like, just because I, you know, at the time was 32, I'm now 33, and no family history, don't ignore the signs and symptoms. Like, if you feel in your gut, like, something is weird
1: or Mm -hmm. off,
2: fight for you, even if a doctor says you're crazy, or you don't need us, still fight for you because you, you're the one who knows you best.
0: Oh, that is such good advice. And I think nobody knows our body like we do ourselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. come on, folks, we inhabit this, (laughs) this (laughs) vessel. We live with it all the time. Right. We know this vessel better than any doctor can. And unfortunately, it's not uncommon for doctors to miss things because they're only human. And they're looking at you as if you're the average person. And clearly, Lisa, you're not. (laughs) No, I definitely am unique. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I mean, but truly, all of us are unique. But I imagine that there are some people who are a little bit on the fringe. And given the amount of exercise you did, I don't know how big your ASD was. Were they able to close it with a catheter device? Or did they have to do open heart? They were able to do it with a catheter device.
2: Well, which good. Which I was grateful for. Oh, yeah. they weren't sure before sure. doing the ablation. Mm-hmm. But once they got in there, they decided they'd, as they put it, I love how doctors talk, but as they put it, they decided they'd give it a try. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's just <laughs> your heart, you know, well. We'll give it a try. <laughs>
0: The good you know, thing, Thankfully
2: their try worked Right. So, the good thing
0: I'll, I'll is it. with those catheters They can put a device up there And they can open it up and see Does this seal? Does this work? Right. And if it doesn't they can close it they And then bring it next. back yeah. out And then they know it has to be up in heart But what a blessing that they were able to do that transcatheter That usually has a much faster recovery rate And yes. you know then of course The scary thing is well what's going on With the electrical system You know that's right. kind of super important And so It sounds like genetic testing would be, you know, as a heart mom, I would say that would be the next logical step. But it sounds like they're able to monitor it and you're not having severe episodes right now?
2: No, no severe episodes. I have a lot of off days from the autoimmune disease that Mm -hmm. somehow came to be after all of this. And I get a lot of, you know, tachycardia and dizziness and things like that. But I'm learning different ways to try and, you know, manage that and work through that and not just use medication, but trying to do more natural ways, I think for me is, is a better way to go about things, I find.
0: Well, since they're thinking that perhaps there's a congenital component, I wonder if they will test your children.
2: Yeah, we. I've actually had that discussion as well with my cardiologist out of concern. Yeah. <laughs> just to say, you know, I don't want them to go Absolutely. through Absolutely. So how do we avoid that happening? Right.
0: Because I wonder if the fact that you were able to survive as long as you were without a major incident, did it cause some damage and that that damage is what led to this immune problem that you're having? Is it right. is it an immune problem?
2: It's classified as an autoimmune okay. disease. Okay, autoimmune um, disease. But usually what causes dysautonomia, which is very under-researched and under-known about what usually causes it is some sort of severe illness or traumatic event. Okay. So it would meet that criteria. Right,
0: right. And so that perhaps was not congenital, but was acquired. And we could, if right. we know ahead of time what we're looking for with your girls, prevent that from happening hopefully avoid it. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing story. And I'm so impressed that despite all of this, you still identify yourself as a cardiac athlete.
2: Yeah, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I'm getting there one step at a time. But had another surgery of last month, but for a different problem, <laughs> you know, that slowed me down a little bit, but I'm getting
0: back. Well, good. And I so appreciate you coming on Heart to Heart with Anna today. Of course. I hope that,
2: you know, people enjoy my story and can learn from it, if nothing else, to listen to themselves.
0: Right. I think that's the big takeaway. Trust your gut when it comes to your body. Definitely. Well, folks, if you're interested in learning more about the book, Cardiac Athletes, check out the link to Amazon in our description. And if you'd like to contribute to book two, please contact Lars Andrews. Will you be contributing to his book, Lisa?
2: Yes, I'm currently working on a portion for Lars.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that you have a fascinating story to share, and I think there's a lot to be learned from your experience. So thank you again for sharing with us, and I can't wait to see what you share with Lars. Thank
2: you for having me.
0: Well, thanks for listening today, friends. Please come back next week when we'll feature another cardiac athlete. And until then, remember, my friends, you are not alone.
1: Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network.